Part of my story, I was telling you a few moments ago, is I served at the Oak Grove Alliance Church, which is just outside of Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Williamsport, Pennsylvania, some of you might know the area. It's well, well known for logging hundreds and hundreds of years ago. About 150 years ago, logging was the business, and people logged that place like crazy. Now today, it's oil and gas, and the oil and gas trucks are there all the time, and they are pumping out the gas, and they're going to continue to work in that area. And so there's been a, a renewal of an interest of people to move back to the Williamsport area. So we were living in Oak Grove, which is just on the kind of northwest corner of Williamsport, just on the outskirts. And I'd only been at the church for probably about eight months. My wife and I had only been married for about probably two months. And that day we had a funeral. And it was for a gentleman who was part of the church for a long, long time and had moved away and had passed away and they had, were doing the service in our church and it was a big thing. We had probably 175, 200 people. And that evening, Laura had gone to bed. She worked at the Williamsport ER in their uh, emergency room in their environmental services and so she had to get up pretty early. So she had gone to bed. It was about 9.45, 10 o'clock at night. And I was sitting in my office kind of debriefing from doing the funeral, just kind of writing some things that had come to my mind and just kind of thinking. And as I'm sitting there at my desk, I hear this sound. And it sounded like the garbage can had fallen over. And I waited a couple seconds, and I hear this sound. That can't be good. So I go back across our house, and we were living in the parsonage at the time at the church there, which was a huge parsonage, way more than two of us ever needed. The previous pastor had five kids, and they, they enjoyed the space, but for the two of us, we only lived on the one floor. So I went all the way back across into our bedroom, and I grabbed my gun, and I went back out the front door. And as I came out the front door, in the back of my mind, these three words came to my mind. And it was this simple phrase, here we go. And something I knew was about to happen. And with that, let's pray. Father, we're thankful, for, we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to trust you. Lord, I'm thankful for the journey that you have given to me. Lord, I'm thankful for the journey that you're leading this church on. Lord, you have given great leadership, and you will continue to provide great leadership as the church goes forward. Lord, I'm thankful for the opportunity to be a part of this church. And Lord, if it is your will, Lord, would you continue to bless this church through the ministry that I could provide. Lord, I'm thankful for how you're working in my life. I'm thankful for how you're working in each and every person who is here this morning. And we'll trust you in everything we do and we say, amen. This morning's passage, it's not coincidence, it's just God working in mysterious ways is from Matthew 28. It's my belief that God doesn't make things just happen by chance. The passage I'm going to teach on is exactly the same passage that John Stumble was talking about this morning. And it's the exact same idea that was talked about by uh, Jerry. It's the idea of the Great Commission. And we're going to talk about what that means this morning. Because for me... It's an important passage. It defines my life. It would define 
my ministry. And I hope it defines your life. Those three simple words I said that night as I walked out of my house, here we go, remind me of Matthew 28. Jesus is finishing up his ministry. We have the resurrection. If you look at the beginning of Matthew 28, you see the the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is coming up from the grave and Mary Magdalene and Mary and others are there and they're celebrating hits and there's kind of this kind of weird kind of phenomenon of what's going on? Why is this happening? Who is this person? There's fear, there's trepidation. And ultimately they recognize this is Jesus. But Jesus is giving to them an opportunity to go forward. And so when Jesus says that, I don't think Jesus comes along to his disciples and says, I just, I just was risen from the dead, and I think, I think this is what I want you to do. I, I think you guys need to go out, and I think you need to reach the nations, and I think you need to go and do all these things. But, you know, I'm not really convinced, so if you guys think of something else, go do that. I, I, I don't read that when, when in the scripture here. To me, this is God, this is Jesus saying in persuasive manner, here we go. I want you to be a part of my ministry. I want you to be a part of what I was passionate about. I want you to be a part of the ministry that I have given to you. This is not a ministry that's going to end when I die. This is not a ministry that's going to end when I'm risen again. This is a ministry that will continue on through the ages. And so Jesus, in my mind, when he walks up to his disciples, I hear those three words. Here we go. Let's begin something together. And that's the first point for this morning. That key phrase, we go. It's a team effort. We work together. We don't work alone. One of the tough things of going to seminary is you sometimes feel like you're working alone. You're sitting in your office, reading your books, blogging on sites, you're handing in papers. You kind of are working alone. And for me, I can do that, but it's not how we're meant to be. We're meant to work together. We work as a team. We're not alone. This journey was never meant for you to walk it and see no one else around you. It was meant to be walked in fellowship with one another. And as Christians, we support each other. We care for one another. We comfort one another. We share with one another. And we support each other in that walk. Here we go. When Jesus comes to his 11 disciples, he comes to Mary and Magdalene, Mary Magdalene, he tells them, work together. It wasn't one of you go this direction, one of you go that direction, go all over. Although ultimately some of them would scatter abroad and some of them would go different places. It wasn't do this by yourself. It wasn't, hey, you're going to have to figure this out on your own. You're going to have to figure out all the questions on your own. It was to work together, to commit to something, to be a part of one another's ministries, to go forward out into this brave new world and to be a part of a new ministry. In some of the other passages which are parallel to this passage, whether in Luke or in John, we see that Jesus finds his disciples out fishing. 
and they're fishing, and they're not doing what they're supposed to. And Jesus comes to them and says, are you going to be fishers, or are you going to be fishers of men? And ultimately, they have to make the choice to work together to be fishers of men, to go out and to be a part of the ministry of what God was calling them to do. Here we go. We work together. We partner together. Part of my ministry and one of the things that I enjoy doing the most is partnering with you. Whether that's partnering with you when you're going through a struggle and you just want to talk, or whether that's partnering with you in time of celebration and recognizing something that is great. We work together and we celebrate together. And I want to change that middle word. From here we go to here I go. And I want to tell you parts of my story. Part of this morning's message, I think, is to give you an opportunity to, at least on a little level, understand who I am and how this passage has connected in my life. I grew up in a pastor's home. Currently, my father is not technically a pastor, although he's a pastor to pastors, if you want to get into technicalities, considering he has 88 churches that he is in charge of. I don't know how you don't truly think of it as a pastoring. But I learned things at a young age. I was saved at the age of five. I was baptized at the age of 14, Easter of 2000. The final Sunday, my father was a pastor. We were just about to leave ministry in Hinesburg, Vermont, and to head out to go and work uh, out west for a couple of years with the Bible Society. And for me, it was one of those moments where it wasn't about me and my father, although it was great to have it to be between me and my father. It was me and my heavenly father. I was able to go up that morning to the baptismal tank and to declare the passage from Matthew 28, verses 18, 19, and 20. And these were the verses that I used. Then Jesus came to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And as I walked up those baptismal steps on that day, and as I stood in that baptismal tank, I declared that this was the verse that was the calling on my life. I felt from probably about the age of eight or nine that God had called me into ministry. I didn't know truly how to define it. I could probably better define it today than I could define it back then. But I knew that God was calling me into ministry of some sort. And on that day, he confirmed what I had already begun to sense. Take this passage to be your own and to go out and to be a part of the ministry. And he didn't sit, God didn't sit down with me and, and, and open a little tablet and go, John, you're going to go to this church and you're going to go to this church and you're going to go to this place and you're going to have to deal with this. No, he said, you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust that I have the best plans for you. You're going to have to follow me as you go along. And so I have. I've taken great steps to go forward and to continue to be a part of his ministry. I went to Lancaster Bible College 
got a degree that was basically a pastoral degree with a little bit of uh, Greek in it so I could eventually go on to seminary. And I served there at a couple of churches locally there in the Lancaster area. I served at the Elizabethtown Alliance Church and the Lancaster Alliance Church and got to begin to get my feet wet and see what ministry meant. My final year in college for me is one of those kind of capstone moments of God beginning to begin a new work in me. Obviously, because of who I was, I knew a lot of the pastors who were in the district. By that point, I probably knew about 60% of the pastors in the district, although I was not serving officially in any role. And so I asked my dad, was there any place I could go and do an internship for a month and a half? I needed to do it for school anyways. And I said to him, where's a great place I could go in a thriving church where there's going to be somebody who's going to be a good leader, who would be a good mentor to me, and I could have an opportunity to go and to learn. And I got to go and to serve at Greenview Alliance Church with Andy Bear. And for me, that was the confirmation of what God was giving to me. He mentored me. He tutored me. He gave me the opportunity to preach. He gave me the opportunity to learn ministry. And as I went back from my senior year in college, I said, this is what God is calling me to. So I went to my senior year of college and I said, Lord, I'm ready to go to seminary. I went to the Alliance Theological Seminary. I put my name on the dotted line and I said, I'm coming here. And in January, I went to my mentor who was at school for counseling for classes and advisory and things like that. And I said, I'm ready to go to seminary, but what do you think? He said, well, how long have you been in school? I've been in school since I was little. I've never even taken any break. He said, well, what about taking a year to go into ministry and to just serve? I said, all right, I'll see if there's anything out there. So I I floated my resume, and sure enough, that's where I ended up at the Mountain View Alliance Church. And I served there for, as I said, about a year and eight months. And God began a work in me that has continued to this day. He began to pour out into me what it would take to be a pastor, what it really meant to show up and to care for people. The pastor there at the church at the time took me on visitation and took me to minister to people and to show me how to do things, simple things like funerals and other things like that and baby dedications and things that you need to know how to do. And he began to give me the opportunity to show me what it meant to be a part. And I began to sense that this was the Great Commission being lived out in my life. So here I was going. I was going to be a part of this Great Commission. I was going to partake in what God was calling me to do. And as I said this earlier when Jerry was asking me questions from there, uh, obviously I met my wife there, and yes, she was in the college and career Yes, you know, I don't know if there's any more jokes that should be made about that, but that's, that's a different story. Uh, <laughs> I went to the college and career class. It was my responsibility to lead it, and there was a very nice young lady. I was single. I mean, come on, there's nothing wrong. We, we dated for a while. We, we had a great time. So, uh, you know, one of the greatest, one of our greatest pleasures was to be able to be married in that area so that the churches that I had served that could be a part of it. One of the things that if you understand the Williamsport geography is all these churches that I have served that kind of coincidentally are very close to each other. Greenview is over on the east side of Williamsport, which is one of the churches I served at. 
Oak Grove is on the west side, and Jersey Shore, which is where Mountain View is, is just on the outskirts of Williamsport. So all three of these churches where I had served were invited to our wedding. And it was kind of a culmination of what it meant for us to go forward. It was kind of those three churches blessing us and saying, you guys go forward now as a couple. And so we were able to be married, and we were able to continue to serve. So my call is to continue to serve out this great commission to continue to be a part of what God is doing in your life. But it continues to have ramifications on my life. I continue to always check myself with this passage. Am I following in the footsteps that God gave me at that early age? Am I following in what he has commanded and asked me to do? Am I trusting in him as I go forward? And so I always look at this passage and I ask myself, am I going in the right direction? Am I trusting in him? Well, I want to change that middle word one more time. Here you go. It was here we go, we work together. Here I go, I'm a part of this great commission. But I want to make it personal now. Here you go. And I want to talk to each and every one of you how you can be involved, how you can be a part of this ministry. I love John Stumble. He's a close friend of our family. When you're in the Alliance, especially when your father's the district superintendent, you meet all these people. Yes, you get to know them by first name basis, so it's sometimes awkward. So you meet guys like John Stumble, and you get to know where their heart is. He's not faking it. He truly, truly is passionate about this. For him... If his presidency could be defined by one thing, let it be defined by this. He truly, truly cares about making this part of the Alliance DNA. Yes, it's been a part of our DNA for a long, long time. Sometimes I think we've forgotten it a little bit, but it's always been there, and we're reminded of it by John Stumbo in his talk. How can you be involved Jerry was giving you a simple way you can be involved this morning. Great Commission Sunday. You can take that little envelope, put your check in it, put your cash in it. You can fill out the little other pamphlet and send it into Colorado. Those are very easy ways. But I want to challenge you to something more. Each and every one of us has a call on our lives. That call may not be the same for you, for you, or for you, or for me. The call on my life was individual to me. The call on my life was to step into the pastor's role and to be a part of ministry. There's a very small percentage of people that will ever have that calling placed on their life. But for each and every one of you, there's a call. There's a call to minister in your workplace. There's a call to minister in your community. There's a call to minister to your neighbors. There's a call to minister, you fill the blank. Each and every one of us has a call. One of the great things about going to seminary is you learn all these great, great things, and then you kind of narrow it, narrow it, narrow it down to those few things that you want to keep. And one of the things that stuck out in my mind is a call that is on every person's life. And that's a call to reach those who are around you for Christ. The Great Commission isn't just about sending missionaries overseas. It's not always just about baptizing and doing all these things. 
but it's primarily about making disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. It does not tell you that that has to be in Cote d'Ivoire. Or it doesn't tell you that that has to be in Senegal, or in Thailand, or in China, or in Iraq, or Afghanistan, or wherever you want to name the country. It doesn't tell you that it has to be those places. It says, go and make disciples of all nations. That includes this nation. You have an opportunity to reach out to those who are around you. You also have an opportunity to partner with the Christian Missionary Alliance, to give to those international workers who are serving overseas in great places. I've had the incredible opportunity to go overseas. I've been in both Thailand, Senegal, and Burkina Faso, and to see the work of God in those places. And it's incredible to see our international workers at work. These people work themselves to the bone. And their only goal is to see people one for Christ. They're not working for a paycheck. They're not looking for a bigger salary. They're not working for anything. They live out in the middle of these villages sometimes where if they have water, they're thankful. Their only goal is to see lost people come to Christ. They have gone to the outer regions, but you may be called to those regions that you can reach, those who are around you, who you will come in contact with every day who are lost and need Jesus. And once we have gotten to the point of talking about, therefore, going and making disciples of all nations, there's kind of a a discipleship factor that comes in next. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. We want to further them in that Christian walk and teaching them to obey. I fall in that third category of teaching them. I love to teach. I love to bestow wisdom and to share knowledge. And if you can share with me your knowledge that's even better because I want to hear what you're passionate about. You get to hear this morning what I'm passionate about because I have the mic. But when I don't have the mic, I want to know what you're passionate about. Whether that's passionate about going out fishing or if that's passionate about going kayaking or if that's passionate about knitting or if that's passionate about whatever. I want to know because we are to be working together and to teaching one another And as you tell me what you're passionate about, I'll tell you what I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about the Word of God. I'm passionate about the Great Commission being fulfilled. I'm passionate about seeing lost people being saved. I'm passionate about being committed to being a part of that. In teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and a promise... I love it when passages end on a promise. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He hasn't left us here alone. We are here with the Holy Spirit. We are here in his presence. And he is here ministering to us. I felt it this morning. As we sang, worthy is the lamb. He was ministering to me. Showing me once again, John, trust in He ministers to us as we go. Well, let's go back to the story that I started out. 
as I walked out of that house, understand the geography a little bit of the house. It'll give you a better understanding of, of the situation. Our house is long. And so over in this section is a garage with my office above it. And then we have our living room, and then we have our bedroom over here. So I had gone all the way across, gotten the gun out of my bedroom, and I came out the front door. And as I come out the front door, there's a small set of steps, probably about five, that go down into a gravel pit where we have our driveway. And I see something dark laying on the ground. And I'm going, this is not good. So the time of year is fall. It's towards almost winter. So I've had a little bit of training. When I was living out west, I went and did this class where they taught you survival skills. I lived in an igloo for a day and a half. I lived in a snow shelter for a day. I've done some crazy, crazy things. And I remembered in the back of my mind, all this training came flooding back. What is the best responses? And in my mind, in those few brief seconds, as I walked towards the stairs, it clicked. This is a bear. This is not going to be good. As I looked out, my estimate was probably about 170 to 190 female black bear is laying in my yard, enjoying the garbage from the funeral. Okay? Now, before I finish the story, I learned a very, very valuable lesson. One, don't put out the garbage the night before the garbage comes when you live against the woods, especially when there's peanut butter cake in there. Because apparently bears are drawn to peanut butter cake. I don't know. So, you know, it's just kind of one of those valuable lessons that you stand there and learn. So as I'm standing there staring down this bear, in my mind, the first thing that came to me was show aggression. So at the top of my lungs, I yelled at this bear, go on, get out of here, you crazy bear, and don't come back. And these two beady yellow eyes stare me down. And I go, all right, this is not good. At least she hasn't charged yet. At least, you know, we're still standing here. We're in one piece. Let's try this again. So now even louder, I'm, get out of here, you crazy bear. Go on, get out of here. And she obliges. She gets up on four paws, turns and looks at me one more time, goes back out through the backyard, and is gone. I think my heart raced for the next hour and a half. Okay? I, that's a close encounter that I don't want to have. It's just not necessary. But it comes with living in the territory, I guess. We took some provisions to prevent Mr. Bear from coming back again, or Mrs. Bear from coming back ever again. Don't leave the trash out. Don't leave any bird feeders out. If you're burning stuff, make sure it's completely burned. Our neighbors never saw, or we never saw her again, but our neighbors saw her the next spring with two little cubs walking through their backyard. I said to myself, yeah, I don't want to run into her now. Because that same aggression is not going to work. Because she's going to be now very, very, very protective of those little cubs. And fortunately, our neighbors were wise enough to not go out and do anything. They let the bear have a nice little meal at their bird's feeder and at their trash can and at their nest and whatever it was that they got into. And then when the bear was gone, they went out, cleaned it up, and put it away. So that's my bear story. Why do I tell you that? Because as I walked out, that evening, those three words in the back of my mind were what propelled me to go forward. Here, 
we go. I had a decision to make. I knew that the next morning at 6.30, my wife was going to be getting up, going down those same stairs to get into her car to go to work. And if that bear was there, she wasn't going to see it. And I didn't want that. So I needed to make sure that that bear was not going to be there. Next morning, left her a little note, wake me up before you go to work, (laughs) which I normally didn't do because she left at like 5.45 in the morning. But I left her a little note, wake me up before you go. So yeah, and then I told her, well, honey, guess what I found last night in our backyard? A bear. Oh, very nice. Fortunately, the bear definitely had not come back that next morning. I went out there with some gloves and cleaned it all up. Here we go. It was what propelled me to make sure that out there was safe. That out there was going to be a place where someone wasn't going to be attacked by a bear. So I went out and I made sure of that. We have that same calling on our lives. To go out and to spread the word of God to those who are around, who are lost. Yes, we need to work together. We need to work together so that the mission can be done. I'm not going to do it all by myself. I'd be naive to think I could even do 1% of the mission. But if all of us partner together, we can accomplish this Great Commission. I have a vested interest in the Great Commission. It's a part of my life. It's a part of who I am. It's a part of my DNA. It's a part of what I'm passionate about and what I care about. So I want you to know that as I challenge you to be a part of the Great Commission, I'm challenging myself to continue to be a part of that Great Commission. And finally, you go. Here, you go. You have an opportunity to be a part of the Great Commission. Whether it's on Great Commission Sunday, or whether it's tomorrow, or two weeks from now on a Friday, or five weeks from now on a Tuesday, you have an opportunity to be a witness to those who are around you. Let's pray. Father, I'm thankful for the work that you have done in my life. And I'm looking forward to the work that you have in store in the future. Lord, you have given to me a passion and a vision and, a, and something that I care about. But you have given to each and every one of us a call. A call to be a part of your great commission. A call to be a part of going out and making disciples of all nations. Of those who are around us. 